doing a crossover episode with Warriors All 82 and Wizards After Dark. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. And I'm here with the host of Warriors All 82 and the Warriors beat writer for The Athletic, Anthony Slater. Wizards After Dark is like almost like a romantic, you know. I think it's sketchy. Name. Sketchy? Could be sketchy, too. Uh, I think yeah. it's like nefarious. Wizards After Dark, it's, it's a scary time around here. <laughs> and it was late tip, too, in D.C. tonight, 8 p.m. I know. Warriors on Rollies, they go to Boston Saturday night, 8.30 p.m. tip. That's late. ABC Saturday Night Games. Yeah, I was talking to a couple of players in the locker room about it. Number one, they're like, it's going to be the drunkest crowd of the year. I mean, Boston Saturday Night, Warriors in town, 8.30 tip. And they're all like, yeah, man, this is going to be like one of those finals crowds. When they would go to Cleveland and they'd play in Cleveland at 9 p.m. Because ABC had, you know, mm-hmm. when it's in Oakland, it was 6 p.m. local. But they want to keep the same exact start time for, you know, the, the nation audience. So there were 9 p.m. tips in Cleveland and that crowd was just, you know, sauced and flinging insults and that's kind of what they expect a, a will it be a lesser version on Saturday it is only regular season but you know that Boston crowd Boston crowd's crazy that's like where's that crowd when Boston is good where's that crowd amongst the best in the NBA top five probably it's just like impact on the game uh, that green too you, you know like sometimes yeah. there's just those colors that just pop we're like you know we're in Washington tonight and you know, it was, a, it was a filled atmosphere. It wasn't very loud. It's not a good crowd here. But I'll say it. It's not yeah, a good crowd. It's not a good crowd. Plus, like, the colors just don't, you know, there's, like, blue and red and, like, I don't know. I mean, it's it, they're not dull colors, but they just don't pop like, a, um, you know, award the Oracle with the yellow does. Um, and just that green in Boston, and they're playing with Dropkick Murphy's, like, da na 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 Like, a 6-0 run just feels like a, you know, tidal wave almost there. Yeah. Oracle's a great crowd. OKC is a great crowd. Portland is a great crowd. Salt Lake City. Salt That's Lake a great City. crowd. I think those are the top five crowds in the league. And MSG when the Knicks are good. I, you they're know, never I, good. They're not. So it's like, and they haven't been since I've started covering. This is year six. I've been making the circuit. And MSG's like fun and it's like lively, but you just, you have to have a good team to feel the title wave. It's never like, oh, here come the Knicks. Yeah. It's just like, oh, man, they're really enjoying watching Steph Curry and Kevin Durant play basketball. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a New York thing. They yeah. they cheer for the really great players. Yeah, and it's a great player in the NBA thing. I mean, when these stars go around the circuit to teams that don't, you know, like tonight, how many Steph Curry jerseys did you see? And, a lot. You know, a lot of cheering when Steph Curry's making a, a, a cool play, and uh, that isn't just because they're oh they're enjoying greatness. They're, a lot of them just like the Warriors because they don't really like the Wizards. Yeah, it, it that that's like a. In DC thing too, because it's a uh, there are a lot of out of towners in DC. Transplant city, exactly. It's a major transplant city. It's a company town that brings in people from all over the country, and Wizards fans aren't that passionate. And the Wizards are not giving people a lot of things to be passionate about right now. We want to talk about this game a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so the Warriors beat the Wizards one twenty six one eighteen. Trevor Ariza led the Wizards in scoring with twenty seven. Steph Curry led the Warriors in scoring with 38. He only hit two threes. Yeah, that was interesting about his night. They only shot 20. The they, Wizards sold out to stop the three, and that's just what's up with this Warriors offense right now. It's just it has reached maybe a, a different stratosphere with Cousins than they even before had. Their offensive rating in January, 126.2. 
and ten January games. They're obviously on a nine game win streak. That's wild. Yeah, uh, they they beat teams during this nine game win streak by seventeen point three points. And uh, tonight dropped their offensive rating because it was only like one twenty one. Uh, it was their third worst offensive rating of the whole month, and they had one hundred twenty six points. And it, you know, it's. Okay, you can stop the stop the three, but Curry's just going to slither in. He had twelve. It was twelve of sixteen, I think, inside the arc. Durant, twenty-first straight game with at least twenty points. He's not even taking many shots, but he's just you know he's going to sleepwalk to twenty. Uh, Cousins, what did he? Cousins goes eight of twelve tonight. Suddenly they got a center who you can post up, who can hit the three. Uh, Draymond Green is healthy again. He's pushing the ball in transition every time he can get it. He's uh, during this win streak. I think he has eighty-one assists and like fourteen turnovers or something like that, which Kerr identified as the biggest number. And guess what? You also have a weapon who had forty-four the other day, Clay Thompson, who we haven't even mentioned. wasn't great tonight, but he's always liable to detonate. Uh, he went seventeen of twenty shooting in the last game, so. It's, you know, there's lulls in the season. There was the issue that KD and Draymond had in in Staples Center. Uh, There is long-term concern that is, uh, you know, I think reasonable of if they'll stay together. But it's starting to feel very, very uh, bad for the league's chances to, to, uh, you know, knock the Warriors off this particular season. It's been really bad the whole year. Couple, couple things, couple things. First of all, Sam Decker guarding DeMarcus Cousins in the low post went exactly as I expected it to go. Yeah, you know, he bulldozed through a couple times for those. It was like start of the fourth quarter. And uh, Porter was supposed to be digging off of Draymond onto him. And he was like, it was kind of a half-ass double team. I don't know, can I say half-ass on your phone? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it was kind athletic, of... you know, whatever <laughs> It was kind of a half-ass double team. Uh, and And the problem was Porter was coming out to double him like, Way too late. Like, like DeMarcus already had way, way, way low post position, like into the paint, right, right under the rim, and there was just nothing they were going to do. And he is going to pulverize bench lineups if that's how they're going to rotate him. It's funny because like, we've all seen him, but like to see him on the Warriors and to see the Warriors suddenly have like a bolt, like that was the one thing that like teams were, ah, we could push the Warriors around a little bit. They're so skilled, but maybe you can, you know, Stephen Adams or you know a Jokic type center, a Marcus Ole, like maybe you know inside out basketball and you know hit their cutters, and now suddenly you just got this like bear inside. Uh, but it also happens to be, like, mega skilled, and he sprays assists around, and he hits threes. He hits He's an underrated passer. Yeah. He's such a good passer. Averaged more than five assists last year. Uh, and he, I think he's averaging about, like, eight per 36. It's only, you know, through three games. But, you know, on this team. Uh, you know, but it's funny. You mentioned the stretch where Sam Decker was um, guarding him. But that was actually kind of a little mini conversation, mini topic with the Warriors postgame. That was, like, their most concerning stretch of the game. The Warriors actually – or Wizards actually went on a mini run in there in the fourth – uh, it's really the first time a team – it's only been three games, but it was the first time a team has gone small against a Cousins lineup where they really were trying to force-feed him in the post. Uh, and there were a couple turnovers. You know, he did kill Decker a couple times, but uh, some, a couple of the times the Wizards actually did defend it well and, and overhelped. And I think they forced three turnovers in the first five or so minutes. And from the Warriors' perspective, it's like they need to – they haven't had the low-post threat to try to, like, you know, move around and, and get the ball down in the post. And – they know they need to figure that out because there are going to be teams with way better small ball lineups, including Saturday against the Celtics, who that's how they're going to attack the Cousins' second unit, uh, which is, you know, the start of the second and fourth quarters. And uh, that is, especially come playoff time, they get a Houston in a series. That's going to be very interesting dynamic in a series. It's, it's, 
how the Warriors' bigger lineup with Cousins goes up against, you know, wing-heavy Celtics, Raptors, Rockets, those type of teams. Yeah, that wasn't the only time that Scott Brooks went small against them, too. Like, he played Otto Porter at the five. He never does that. He never, ever does that. I asked him about it after the game, and he said, it's just a Warriors thing. Like, we're not going to keep doing that. It's purely for, they're playing the Warriors, and he liked that matchup, and that was it. And it just kind of makes sense that if you think Cousins is going to be the focal point of a bench attack and if he's going to be getting the touches and you're going to try to get them in the low post, maybe you just try to play really fast and you just try to annoy him by fronting the ball. And that's kind of, you mentioned the turnovers. That's how they got him. Like they fronted him in the post and just tried to get a hand on a pass and Sadoransky's long, so it worked. And, you know, they've got some some long defenders, defenders, and they were able to get their hands on the ball every once in a while. Uh, but maybe that's a strategy that you go with with Cousins, especially while he's still a little bit, you know, he's not 100%. Yeah. He's not as, he's not as laterally quick there. and... He doesn't have his feel yet, and so maybe that's that's how you attack it. But uh, man, I could just see him killing because 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 the Pelicans rotated him, so he played with bench guys last year too. And Davis was the guy who always went into the starters, and he would just tear apart bench units. And with this team, I could just so easily see him doing it again. Yeah, uh, but the other the other side freaks him out a little bit because teams are going to target him, and you know he is coming off an Achilles tear. And you know if if James Harden and Chris Paul get him in those, you know one of those two will be on the floor. When it's bench unit against with Cousins against um, you know the Rockets, we'll say, and they're going to drag him into try to get him in isolation. And the Warriors will not necessarily play just switch everything when Cousins is in the game in those situations. But you know, small lineups against Cousins will be interesting for the Warriors to try to defend. It's very small, minor potential concerns for a team that obviously doesn't have that many on-court concerns, but uh, tonight was the first taste. And, you know, they were minus seven in that little stretch to start the fourth. The Wizards got within three, and then, you know, you you put the cavalry back in the game, and you kind of just blow away. But um, I'm interested to see Saturday's game in Boston, particularly for that aspect. Yeah. Uh, other thing I wanted to mention, so Steph, we kind of mentioned this, was two for eight from three. Steph, Durant, and Clay were a combined four for 15 from three. Fun fact also, the Warriors bench was zero for zero from three until the last minute of the game yeah. when Iguodala hit one. They finished one for one. But those three guys went four for 15 from three, and they still put up 126 points, like you said, whatever it was, a 120 offensive rating or, or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. 121 offensive rating. Like, they, they dominated offensively without hitting threes. The Wizards really ran them off the three-point line. Like, they did whatever they could to run those dudes off the three-point line, and they gave up driving lanes a lot. And Curry was able to get to the rim with a lot of ease, and he made some incredible finishes there and was able to did that thing where he flies into defenders intentionally and draws contact and finishes, finishes for fouls and ones and all that stuff, and he's amazing at that. But the Wizards gave up some driving lanes because of it. They just went into it with, like, we are not giving up threes. And Curry killed him from three last game. But they went into this with, like, we are not giving up threes no matter what. Well, the problem with that, if you're the Wizards, you don't really have a fear rim protector. Um, and if the Warriors know that and you're going to give them driving lanes, like, Curry's going to cruise and not worry about, you know, prime Dwight Howard coming over because prime Dwight Howard doesn't exactly exist. And Thomas Bryant, yeah, he's been a nice little story, but he's not – uh, the type of guy that's going to scare some of the Warriors guys is like a, a shot blocker. So if you're going to play that, you know, I guess strategy against the Warriors, you better have somebody back there. You better have like Clint Capella 
having like a really nice night as like a rim protector, uh, you know, or Anthony Davis flying over. But you know, it, it's tough. Um, especially, I mean, this you got to choose something. Yeah, like you don't do that, and stuff goes for fifty-one. You know, it's like yeah. you gotta you gotta give up something and just hope. Like I honestly don't even have a problem with the way that they played it defensively. I just kind of think like you do that and you just hope somebody's having an off night. You kind of have to hope they don't play well and you play really well. Like if they do that tonight, Otto Porter was 0 for 7 from 3 and he got really good looks. Like wide open catch and shoot looks. Brad was 1 for 9. Brad didn't get good looks from 3. He he looked off. He was being rushed. They were blitzing him on pick and rolls. He wasn't getting space. So let's not call one for nine a fluke, even though it's uncharacteristic. Otto going 0 for 7 was because he had an off night. He just wasn't hitting open threes. Otto Porter hit some threes. You make a couple extra shots on the other end. It's not like the way, you know, you have to shoot really well to beat the Warriors. Maybe it works. Steph misses a couple layups. Maybe it works. Like, you just need them to not – if you're the Wizards – you need them to not play well if you're going to beat that team. And, Pretty, like, and it's not just a Wizards thing. That's the rest of the NBA thing, too. Um, I mean, you, you might have better personnel to try to force that. But I think so. if you're the Wizards, you almost hope that they try to force some threes. You know, Steph is mad that he's only getting eight up when lately he's been getting 14, 15, 16 threes up. And maybe he really starts jacking with two guys on him. And, and it's, you know, he, they're bricking threes. And they don't go 7 and 20 from three. They go 8 of 34 from three or something like that. Uh, but they played it smart tonight. They just attacked what was there, and, you know, that won them the game. Yeah. We got anything else from this? I'm just kind of interested in the Warriors' trip to D.C. overall. You know, they had uh, – last year it was more publicized. You know, they had the whole, like, Trump tweeting at Steph that he was disinviting Steph uh, – to the uh, or the Warriors to the White House, so then the Warriors made kind of their own political statement. They took a bunch of local kids to the uh, African American Museum, the, the new cool one here uh, in D.C., and then it was a story at shoot-around. It was a story during the game. They came on this trip purposely telling anyone that asked, hey, we're not doing any type of political statement. We're going to land. We're, we're staying in L.A. an extra night. We're going to land Wednesday night. We're going to practice. Uh, we're going to wake up. We're not even going to shoot around. We're going to meet at the game, play the game, and then leave for Boston. Uh, but instead, uh, they tried to keep it secret, but apparently Steph Curry set up a meeting with President Obama, uh, which in itself is a very political statement, but they didn't want it to be out there. Uh, but the problem is one of their security guards, who was, you know, uh, w- w- it was warranted, but he was very excited that, uh, you know, he got to meet Obama, and he sent out on his tw- uh, Instagram feed, which doesn't have that many followers, uh, a picture of the team with Obama. Uh, but Logan Murdoch, who you know covers the team for the Mercury News, apparently follows him on Instagram, screenshotted it, sent it out uh, to the Twitter world, who uh, in this very uh, volatile uh, political environment right now, you know, ate that up, and it became a huge story. It became kind of a national story that they, that they had met with Obama. Uh, so then they all get asked about it post game, but they had, clearly had a PR directive. Every single person from Steve Kerr to all the stars. I uh, just said either private event or very short, like, oh, it was a good meeting, uh, but that's it. So I thought that part was pretty interesting. A-plus trolling. And Nancy Pelosi was at the game? You know, she, it's funny. She's at, um, She's been the last few years when the Warriors have played here because uh, she likes the Warriors. Um, and she was in the hallway, the, the tunnel, and she's been there the last few yeah. years. And, like, 
the players kind of know her a little bit. The players are this probably the most politically active team, maybe in sports, at least you know socially. And you know how Steve Kerr is, and how all the players have been speaking out on stuff. Uh, and they lean left, you know, shocker. Um, so they like Nancy Pelosi, and the last few years they usually just come through and oh hey Nancy how are you? I thought it was interesting tonight. I was walking by with Sean Livingston, and Sean went up. He's like, and it was like usually they're like great job tonight. You know, Nancy's telling them that instead it was them including Sean Livingston telling her hey great job you're doing a great job like I think he said like stay strong like you know uh, we're rooting for you stuff like that and I saw a few of the players kind of uh, you know encouraging Nancy Pelosi instead of the other way around I did think that was kind of yeah Draymond did the same thing I saw him walk up there and he did the same thing too Uh, you want to talk all-star real quick yeah, all star um, starters came out. Have you re- have you released your ballot to the public? No, I can tell you right now though. Um, sure, because we got three people who I voted for who played in this game. Me too. Yeah. Uh, look, Harden Curry in the West backcourt was about as easy uh, as any of the group groupings were. Uh, West front court um, was probably the hardest. Uh, I went to rant. Paul George, who they both made it, and I actually went with Anthony Davis, who had not yet been injured when I voted for him. He is obviously now, and I didn't vote LeBron, who I knew was going to be a starter. He was going to be number one in fan voting, and he was going to be high in the others. But you know, what has he been out now? Fourteen games or so, and I don't know. It, with with the way Paul George has played, um, and played, I think he's played every game. Maybe he's missed one or two, and then KD's played every single game, and he's you know he's at 28 points per game on extreme efficiency. He's still kind of blocking shots. The Warriors are in first. Uh, Warriors are 11 points per 100 better when KD or 11 they're plus 11 points per 100 when KD is on and Steph and Clay are both off. Yeah, which um, is he's having a really really good year, but like the the talk around him is so uh polarizing still and just the fact that like they're just the, the it's it's all free agency based and the Katie Draymond. And I think people's year. preconceived biases affect the way that they've analyzed his season. Like people talk about the narrative with him as a warrior is that this is always Steph's team, right? This is Steph's team. Steph is having an unbelievable year. I voted for him as a starter too. I'm sure. How I forget how many ballots he was on. Almost every single one of them with the media, and he got in as a starter deservingly. But like. Durant has been unbelievable this year. Not that he's not unbelievable other years too, but he is. This is the is this the best year he's had as a Warrior? Um, yeah, probably. You know, he had the, he had the injury year one last year. He was unbelievable through Christmas. Uh, he was like Defensive Player of the Year conversation. He was leading the NBA in blocks, but then he really tailed off late. They went seven and ten down the stretch when Steph was hurt. He looked a little bit disengaged. Um, if we, you know, the thing is, he's been Finals MVP at the end of both those years. So if we're adding playoffs in, it's tough to say it's his best year because of just how dynamic he was when it mattered most. Uh, but the story of this year is, is really the story of the All Star team from a West perspective, from a Warriors perspective. Uh, the reason why Steph and KD are, are shoe ins as starters is because their other two All Stars. Everyone always says, you know, the Warriors got four All Stars. They haven't played like All Stars. Draymond Green and Steve Kerr, shockingly, because coaches very rarely do that do this, admitted in pregame, Steve, he shouldn't be an all-star this year. He said Draymond Green uh, hasn't had an all-star campaign, and that's obvious. And then Clay Thompson, I think he's borderline. You know, he's made it the last, what, I think it's four years. Um, I'm not, I don't think he's going to make it. I think the Warriors might only have two all-stars this year. And it's because those two, Steph and KD, have had to elevate themselves even more before this recent stretch. They hadn't been blowing out teams. Those two have had to be so good because the other two all-stars were having down years. Yeah, so my West ballot was I had Harden and Curry, and then my West front court 
was I had PG, I had KD, and I put LeBron. It was really hard to leave off Jokic. It was really hard to leave off Davis. The time miss for LeBron was really tough. I went into it kind of thinking I was going to go with Jokic. And then I was like, you know, my tiebreaker was just kind of, I, I felt so stupid not voting for LeBron. I was like, am I really not going to vote for the guy who I absolutely considered to be the absolute best? And at the time of voting, you'd only, I know that the, the, the third best guard was not as good as the fourth best front court player in the West, but it's like he's, he played 27 fewer minutes than Curry. And I was like, am I really not going to vote for him because he played 27 fewer minutes than Curry and I'm going to vote for Curry? And the dude's the best player in the game for sure. And so I just, that was my tiebreaker. I voted for LeBron. I've got a story up on The Athletic why I voted for Bradley Beal, uh, which has the rest of my ballot. My East ballot was, uh, I had Beal, I had Kyrie. Me too. And then my front court was Kawhi, Giannis, and uh, Embiid. Yeah, uh, their front court was actually really easy. Uh, the yeah. same, I had the same front court. I actually had the same backcourt. Backcourt was kind of hard. It's, it's, it's pretty weak. It's definitely the weakest group of any of like the, the, the groupings. Um, I voted Beal, but you know I was talking to a Wizards guy pregame, and I and it was like the West had just been announced, and like the East was about to be announced, and I was like, you know, uh, oh, here comes the moment for you guys. You know, is, is Beal starting? And he was like, no way. He was like tenth in fan voting, so like I, I was like, oh, I didn't even know that. Um, but that just, I mean, it speaks to maybe just how the Wizards fan base has been kind of lulled into a black, bad place right now, but. Uh, I think he should be a starter, but the, I mean, tenth in fan voting—that uh, kind of uh, makes it so he can't be a starter. Yeah, no, I mean, it's—he did not deserve to be tenth in fan voting. Like, I'm willing to listen to arguments for why he didn't start because I—I I went into the process not knowing if I was going to vote for Beal or vote for and ended up being Kemba as the second guy. I didn't know if I was going to vote for Beal or Kemba. Or I considered Simmons Kyle Lowry. I considered Ben Simmons. Kyle Lowry's on-offs are insane. Uh, I considered Ben Simmons. You look at Oladipo, who kind of was not as good once he came back from the knee injury in December and then ends up getting hurt the other night. Uh, but, like, I, I think Beal has been – the best guy you look at where was he in media where was he in media and player voting did you see he was third in player voting and fifth in media voting he got he got we were two of seven media members who voted for him how many total media votes were there a hundred yeah yeah so we were two of seven to vote for him i know zach lowe said he voted for him i think i saw matt moore voted for him on twitter basically the people who like analytics voted for bradley beale yeah, and I, you know, it's funny. I didn't really make that choice like supremely off analytics. I just think he's been really awesome, and I, and I mean, especially this recent what was it, seven to ten they won, mm-hmm. uh, with John Wall went down, and he's been durable this year. And I just like his game. It's two way guy. Um, he defends better than a lot of the other guards that we're talking about in this discussion. Uh, I just, I just think he's been really good. So, yeah, I mean, look if you compare him to Kemba. You don't really need the analytics to compare him to Kemba. They're Kemba just had that really, really hot stretch early in the year. Right. Kind of, I think. And, and you know, the Charlotte story might be something there. Uh, he's going to start in Charlotte. That'll be cool. Uh, you know, I don't know who might have voted that yeah, way. But. And and look, Beal's got a little more uh, Durant in him, and Kemba has a little more Curry. And that Beal is more of just like twenty-five every night on his great nights. Every once in a while, he'll like go for forty. But Beal, you know, on his great nights, he gives you 28. On his bad nights, he gives you 22. 
and that's why KD's so good, right? Because it's just like like you said, he's going to sleepwalk to 20 every single night, no matter what. And he's just going to kind of consistently give you 25 to 30 every night. Bill's going to give you 20 to 25 every night. Kemba will have the nights where it's like, oh, whoa, Kemba just went for 60. And those are the nights that kind of capture the attention of a lot of people, I think. And so, and look, Kemba's awesome. He's having a great year. All these guys. And it will be cool to see him start in Charlotte. It'll be awesome. He's an extraordinarily likable guy. And, like, that's that's going to be cool as hell for that city and cool as hell for him. And it's awesome because he was not. Think about how much better he is now than he was four years ago. Like, he's he's a lock, like a shoe-in all-star for me. It's, you know, he's probably the best guy. East. I mean, the East yeah. got a pretty big field. East guard, man, is like. Is Wade going to get in just out of, like, legacy award? They should change. I was talking about this with uh, our buddy John Hamm today. They they should they should make a rule where the commissioner just puts in like a legacy player. Dirk in the West, yeah. Wade in the East. There's one spot. There's one spot for each conference or for each team or whatever it is, where the commissioner can either he can do it some years, he can not do it other years. It doesn't kick anybody off the team. You just give a thirteenth guy to one team, and you know it's yeah. This year it's Wade and it's Dirk. Yeah. You know. That would inspire more players to, like, announce their retirement before the season. Yes. Oh, it was it funny. Dirk hasn't announced his retirement. It's just everyone's, like, watching him. Like, yeah. Uh, but, like, years. even so, like, Silver could do it. It's like, who cares? You can make the rules fuzzy. It's like, it's not, who's going to be pissed if Dirk is involved in the All-Star game this year and then he comes back anyway? Is anyone really going to be angry about or that? Or something like this year you could uh, – Oladipo's an all-star, and then you say, oh, Oladipo can't play, Wade's his replacement. But then, you know, some East team, whoever feels like they have the last snub or the first snub, right. will be mad that it's Wade. Right. The reason I don't like that is because, like, this could be D'Angelo Russell's one chance. You know, like, D'Angelo Russell legitimately has an argument to get in, which is crazy. Gross. Like, it's <laughs> the East. He would not have an argument in the West. Yeah, but it's true. Like, this could yeah. be his one chance, you know? Or, like, on the other side of the coin, like, what if Ben Simmons, I think he will make it, but what if Wade makes it and Ben Simmons doesn't make it? And then we get to the end of Ben Simmons' career, and Ben Simmons, who's going to have a great career, ends up making six all-star teams instead of seven. Like, we talk, we shouldn't talk about all-star teams because it's a midseason award and it's fan stuff and it's stupid, and we should talk about all-NBA and that kind of stuff, but, like, it affects the way we discuss guys' legacies at the end of it, and, like... I have nothing bad to say about Dwayne Wade. He's great. He's had an awesome career. I just you solve it all with a legacy rule. Just put in a legacy player. You're good. Uh, you want to wrap up? Yeah. No. I mean, look, Warriors. Uh, this is nine in a row. Six of them on the road. Uh, they're just playing really good right now, and they're gonna go get their biggest test uh, in Boston. And uh, I'm excited to see them go against the team. The Boston team that seems to be kind of figuring it out. Uh, I'm writing um, on Friday. Basically, why the Warriors, despite where I think what are the Celtics third in the East right now, and they've kind of had to their expectations a disappointing season, but they all like the entire locker room and coaching staff believes that Boston is still the biggest threat out East. And if you could uh, quiz them uh, on which team, if you quiz that entire locker room and coaching staff on which East team they expect to face in the finals, if the Warriors are in the finals, uh, I would say 80% of them at least would say Boston. I think that's because the players respect Kyrie way more than any other player in the East because they've seen Kyrie do it to them in the finals. And Katie has like a, a mega love for Kyrie. 
Uh, and then the coaching staff loves Brad Stevens. They just love Brad Stevens. Uh, Ron Adams was part of his staff. Steve Kerr steals a bunch of his plays. So uh, I'm just kind of writing why they love uh, Boston so much, why they still view them as the biggest threat out east, and then also kind of taking a, a bigger landscape of the east in general. As you, an Eastern Conference guy now, suddenly this year, um, is would you agree with the Warriors' assessment privately and a little bit publicly uh, that Boston is still the best team in the East? I kind of think it's Toronto. I do too, but they don't. And I've had arguments with guy. I was just having an argument with a guy in the locker room tonight. We think a lot alike. I, I, I remember when the preseason predictions came out, and I think you, me, Brett Dawson, and Gina Mizell, all of whom – covered sports in Oklahoma. By complete coincidence, none of us talked about it. We were the only four at the Athletic who picked Toronto to win the East. And I uh, I, 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 still kind of think they're going to win the East. Yeah, like, I do too. And I mean, I think we and should only and I think they're best in, in our you they're know, kind of best to go against the Warriors. Like, with, they can play the small ball lineup with Siakam at the five, and they're long and they're athletic, and they have all these defenders with Kawhi and Danny Green and Lowry, and they're switchy and Ananobi and like. And Kawhi's proven in the playoffs. I was uh, part of the argument I was having in the locker room because they're like, you know, Kyrie, you, he's the guy that's shown it to us. It's like players I, love Kyrie, though. I know they do, uh, especially these players. Uh, but I was like, you know, I know Kawhi did it against the Heat, and LeBron. But, Kawhi's kind of proven in the finals, too. The guy won a finals MVP in 2014. He outplayed LeBron. I know it wasn't against you, um, but, you know, he's there. and they, They're they very wing-heavy, and they beat, they're they 2-0 against the Warriors this year. Uh, although one of them was without Steph in Toronto at 1 and KD had 51, so the Warriors were actually feeling pretty good after that game. Um, but Boston, regardless of the co- co- uh, Kyrie factor and the Brad Stevens factor, they also have always traditionally played the Warriors well, which I think gives them respect. That goes back to the way Avery Bradley defends Steph, uh, Marcus Smart. I think. I mean, like what you're saying about Toronto is true, but that also is still kind of true about Boston if they can figure their chemistry thing out because they can throw a bunch of talented young wings uh, against the Warriors, which you know that'll be interesting. Yeah, they just don't look as cohesive now, but they might. I mean, they got they really got. Geez, we got like four months till then. Yeah, four months till the conference finals. The, the East first round is going to be terrible, but the second and especially East now that Oladipo is hurt. Yeah, like we were going to have a good four or five matchup, and now we're probably not. Now Indiana probably it, gets it the might five. Get, it might be like sweep, 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 sweep in that first round in the East, and then like the second round is going to be second round is going to be good. Yeah, there are four really, really good teams in the East. Second round will be good. Um, tell my listeners where they can find you. At Anthony V. Slater on Twitter, um, and I tweet out all my links, videos, everything, uh, you know, obviously very Warriors-focused, um, and on The Athletic, which I assume you already hopefully subscribe to. Yeah, if you listen to this podcast, you might just be a subscriber to The Athletic. You can find me on Twitter, at Fred Katz, uh, and you can read me on The Athletic and all my Wizards stuff and everything over there. Uh, you can subscribe to Wizards After Dark, too. On iTunes, you can give a five-star rating. You can subscribe to Warriors All-82. I assume you'd prefer a five-star rating as well. Uh, and leave reviews and all that stuff. Uh, I will be back with another episode Friday night after the Magic game. I don't know when you're back. I am back Saturday. Celtics, ABC Saturday night. Like the ninth time I mentioned it on the podcast, but it's worthy. There's, uh, It's probably a top ten Warriors uh, regular season game of the year. You don't get too many of these with this team. The Cousins return one was a recent one that people were kind of pumped for. Um, 
I was interested in the Pacers game at the end of the trip just because it's like a trap game kind of late in the trip in, in Indianapolis, which is a tough place to play. Good crowd. They'll be hyped to see the Warriors. Uh, but the Oladipo news kind of sours that. It still might be a tough game for the Warriors, but it's just the matchup isn't as good. So uh, gear up for the Warriors to try to go for a 10th straight win in Boston. Great. And I'll be back tomorrow night after the Magic game. Talk to you guys then.